and that we love a chat. We love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too. Collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory matters. You know what? Hello everybody, it's Jenny, joined with Lorraine today for another Sensory Matters show. How are you doing, Lorraine? I'm good, thanks. It's nice and cool. Love autumn. <laughs> yeah, happier time for you, isn't it, than yeah. being hot and bothered. And you've just come back from a week, a week off? Yeah, just a relaxing week, so I'm, I'm all chilled and raring to go. Fabbing, which is good. Well, I'm full of the cold, but that's what happens when autumn comes. So apologies if I sniffle and cough throughout this. Um, so today we are chatting a bit about the podcast from last week, which was Tom from Asperger's Growth. And Lorraine, what are your thoughts on that? I've really enjoyed this podcast. You know, sometimes you get a really thought-provoking podcast. Yes. For me, it was that. I think we haven't had a lot of males on the podcast, so that was really that really made me want to listen to it more. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's so young and he's achieved so much is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, the taekwondo stuff, I'm just in awe of him, really. I know. And and his absolute passion for tackling mental health issues. Yeah, and just, well, just everything. So I was listening to him, and he was talking about how he wasn't even good at taekwondo. And then, obviously, yeah. he went on to win gold at the Commonwealth Games. Yes. And it just shows how how powerful the mind is. Totally. Yeah, and that he he just and yeah, just that he stuck at it and persevered and was determined to do it. Yeah, and I think one of your questions to him was who in the autism community is like a, a hero kind of thing. Yeah. Tom had said that there's not really anybody stand out, but he mentioned Anne Hegarty. That's right. But I actually would go on to say that he's probably gonna end up or already is a lot of people's autism hero. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I don't know whether you've watched any of his YouTube videos but they're they're really insightful as well I'd recommend people watch them yeah no I haven't watched any but since listening to the podcast I have got it on my list of things to do I just found him really really inspiring yeah he's dead easy to listen to as well like I I like his videos they're well put together yeah see I'm I've got certain voices that I like to listen to and he's got one of those voices that I could just listen all day yeah so I'm definitely going to watch them yeah everything that he's achieved in such a short amount of time yeah. Everything that he wants to do. And then obviously the mental health stuff on top of that. But that was where it became really thought provoking for me. Okay. So what did it kind of trigger in your head? Um, so Tom was saying about how you're a person first and that so many autistic people are also diagnosed with mental health problems, but we need to treat the mental health problems. It's not because you're autistic. Yes. That got me thinking about CAMS and how a lot of CAMS services won't see autistic children. Because they say, yeah, a lot of them don't. Um, We're very, very lucky that we've got CAMS involvement, to be honest. Um, Yeah, yeah, a lot of them say that they can't deal with children with autism. But it's not about the autism because the mental health is separate. Yes. Um, And this is where it got me thinking because it took us a long time to get CAMS involvement and we were told, oh, she's autistic. We can't see her. And now, obviously... you know, CAMS have realised that Jamie's mental health problems and her autism are completely separate. 
Mm-hmm. And so we do get the, the correct involvement and therapy that we need. But it's really difficult for a lot of people. And it's because of that barrier of having an autism diagnosis. Yeah. But then but then everyone that I've spoken to in the last what, 78 episodes, that there is a link between autism and mental health issues. Absolutely. And that's maybe what's clouding people's judgment of it if you like is that they wrap it up as one because it is linked it's cause and effect a bit sometimes yeah because I think autism is a neurodevelopmental difference you know where a lot of people still try to say that autism is a mental health problem autism isn't a mental health problem but mental health problems are associated with autism yeah so I think that's, yeah, there's, it's quite cloudy and I think there's a lot more needs to be done because the mental health is separate to the autism. I mean, the mental health might be worse because of autism. I know for a lot of autistic adults that aren't diagnosed or get diagnosed later in life, their mental health really suffers because they don't know who they are or why they do these certain things. So it can be caused by being autistic, the mental health problem, yeah. but it needs to be treated separately. But then the majority of mental health problems, regardless of being autistic or not, are caused by something. I mean, obviously, there are some which are just chemical imbalances and, you know, things like that. But most have been triggered by some form of event. Yeah. Or am I being daft? Because that's the way I see it. Um, I mean, that's trauma related. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if everything's triggered by something or if some people are just born... <coughs> with an imbalance in some it. areas it just got I me thinking know, that... i think about things like um anorexia for example um the the anorexia is a condition in itself if you like and it's obviously can be life-threatening but the anorexia is in my mind the symptom of an underlying mental health issue and the mental health issue is possibly triggered by some other trauma or difficulty or challenge that's affected the person that's quite interesting actually because I've I've suffered with anorexia Mm -hmm. um and I I can pinpoint where my anorexia started yeah to a a comment on my physical appearance exactly so there's I always well and I'm probably I'm probably well, I am doing a sweeping generalisation because I know there'll be mental health challenges which have no obvious root of what's created them. Um, and I'm not belittling that, but I, I, I just think that usually there's a reason for them. Yeah, I wonder if some of us are just predisposed to have these mental health problems and then something does trigger it. Yes. I'm so thinking... the same event in someone else wouldn't have triggered a mental health episode. Yeah, so for me, that one comment... Yes. Caused me a lot of problems where for somebody else it might have just been like water off a duck's back. Yeah, exactly. So I think you're right. I think there is a predisposition. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's still a trigger possibly that creates the mental health issue. So for me, I don't see if if autism and having all those feelings of well I'm different and I don't know why am I different and I don't know who I am and all of those things, that feeling of self worth and not fitting in mm-hmm. possibly go on to trigger mental health challenges yeah. then that's no different to someone that has got an eating disorder so it's it's odd that cams don't treat it do you know what I mean because yeah. it is going back to what um Tom said it's it is separate yeah. it's 
you know, if, if you were in a wheelchair and you ended up um, a physical disability of something like spina bifida or, or, I don't know, cystic fibrosis, they would treat the mental health things as well and see them as separate. Yeah, to me, it was like saying, because we were basically told, no, Cam's can't see Jamie because Jamie's autistic. It's like saying, if you're French, we can't treat your mental health problems. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just, it's really bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. And it is that, I wonder, because they've they've not got training in it and they don't know how to do it, or is it a lack of understanding? But equally, Cam's diagnosed for some people. Yeah, I mean, they don't diagnose in our area, but in some areas they do. Mm. All the practitioners that Jamie have had have to be specialised as working with children who are autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can only have certain practitioners. But right. I, don't, I don't know if that's across the board, across the country. I, I feel that we're very lucky where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's 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 mad that if it's, you know, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, if someone's got blonde hair, I'm not going to treat you mental health issues. It's, so wh- where do you go? See, I think for us, the, it had to get to the point where suicide attempts were made yeah to be able to get that help and at that point they can't refuse to see you because there is nothing else Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably the case in a lot of places I feel that we're very lucky now but we probably weren't so lucky up until you know being took to hospital for suicide attempts and things because when you're in hospital cams have to see you and you can't be discharged until cams have seen you Right, okay. And then three days after discharge, they have to do a home visit. That's what happened with us anyway. I'm not sure if that's across the board. Right. But that's insane, isn't it? That you allow someone's mental health to get so bad that they're prepared to take their own life mm-hmm. before anyone will intervene. Yeah. Well, this was another thing that got another another of the thought-provoking stuff from uh, Tom's podcast was the differences between mental health and physical health. And when we ask for help and still there's that taboo around mental health. Yeah. So for me, um, last year I was in quite a bad place earlier in 2018 and Mm -hmm. I made a suicide attempt and it took for me to get to that point to ask for help. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are in that situation that you let it go that far. You wouldn't walk Mm -hmm. around with a broken leg. No. There's just no chance. No. So that that's interesting in itself. So what what can be done to make people seek that help earlier? I just don't know if that help's available. I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've gone to, I mean, even I went to ask for help, and I was kind of ridiculed by the GP that I saw that that day, mm. um, and didn't end up getting the help I needed. And it took three more appointments when I saw a nurse practitioner at the doctor's who said, "Has anybody ever unpicked your brain? Have you ever been for counselling?" And I was mm-hmm. like, no. So she told me to self-refer to um, First Steps, it's called, here. Right. And that's where my CBT started. But of all the GPs that I'd seen, even going in and seeing that GP and saying, look, I've done this, I've took these tablets, I do want, you know, it was really hard on my sleeve, I do want to live, I know I need help, please help me. And she was like, yeah. well, no, I think, I think you're in the early menopause, I think was what she said at that point. I don't think I don't think you're depressed. Yeah, it was very very bizarre, and I think sometimes it's harder to talk to a male doctor if you're female, mm-hmm. um, because I I had 
issues with male doctors after I'd seen that female doctor. But when I saw this nurse practitioner, she was just fantastic. Good. Yeah. But yeah, I think it got me thinking that if you break your leg, you go to the doctor. And mm-hmm. you probably tell everybody, you know, broken my leg. Yeah. Um, you get maybe six weeks off work. Yeah. You know, you chill out after you've got your, your cast off. You do physio, you get rehabilitation. You know, yeah. you, you slowly get back into work. But it's still seen, isn't it? It's still seen as a bit of a weakness, a bit of a flaw in a character mm. um, rather than a, an actual medical condition that needs treatment just like any physical condition. Yeah, and that's what I think. I think mental health, it, it is just, you need, you need, you might need a break. It's like mm-hmm. if, if you're ill and you take the day off work because you're ill, then yeah. that's fine. But if you were having a really bad day and you just needed a day off for your mental health, you wouldn't do it. And how do you approach that with your boss? Yeah. Like you could, I mean, obviously I can. Yeah. Because what we do, you know, we can talk about these things. But if I go back to a job I've done in the past, say when I worked in the doctors, I couldn't ring up my practice manager and say, look, I'm really sorry, but my mental health's all over the place today. I need to take a day off. Yeah. Because that just would be no get in if you're not not sick and that's what the problem I can imagine the words if you're not sick Mm -hmm. but it is still an illness I know and it's no different to having a cold or the flu no you still need that time to to recover and recuperate and get yourself back on track yeah absolutely and I bet a lot of people out there who need to take mental health days are taking them as annual leave because that's the only way they can get around it yeah, or they're phoning in pretending to be sick. Yeah, and that doesn't yeah. help anybody because it takes up all your leave, which means that when you are well, you don't get a week off when you're well to mm-hmm. really, you know, reset yourself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really difficult. What What did you think about, you know, Tom was saying that um, he sees a kind of mental health crisis in the autism community. Do you see that? I, I think I see a mental health crisis in general. Yeah, I was talking to Joe because um, Joe struggles. We've been struggling with school last year, the year before. So over the summer, Joe's had counselling, and it's been fantastic. Um, but we were just talking about how years and years ago, without social media, it might not have been that bad. Yeah. Um, social media is a lot to answer for, and technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everything is at your fingertips. Yes, and it, it also, especially for that age group, the the temptation is to do little else. Yeah. You know, so you're not getting the kind of endorphins from physical activity and mixing with other groups. and You know what I mean? It's easy to come home and feel like you're being social. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just really existing in your own little bubble stuck to a device. Yeah, like on Monday, it was his last appointment. Um, mm-hmm. for his holiday counselling and we walked past the gym that I used to go to after school mm. so when I was 13 I joined a gym in town because I didn't want to go home from school at half past three like what do you do from half past three till bedtime when we were younger there wasn't a lot you just watch telly or read a book and I was going to say even the telly it was probably only an hour or two of kids tv yeah that's it you just and you had to watch like I was telling him about that when I was watching East Ends the other day I was like I couldn't fast forward to get to the beginning and I couldn't go and make a cup of tea yeah. um but yeah I joined a gym just to give me something to do after school yeah to like fill the time yeah 
Yeah, and they've got the opposite problem now. They can fill every moment. Yeah. Um, you know, very easily. So it's almost like they, they, they don't know what to do when they're not doing that. And they don't know even how to cope with boredom or doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. Definitely. But, so I, t- I tell you what, we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll finish chatting about that. And then we've got a couple of other things to do as well. This week is World Suicide Prevention Day. Recently, we lost a very good friend and member of our community to suicide. So in his memory, we are launching a new product, one that Dan would have loved. We are launching Yellow Tubes and they will be available to pre-order from Tuesday the 10th of September. We will be giving 10% of our profits from the Yellow Tubes to the charity Mind in memory of Daniel. Okay, welcome back everybody. So we were just chatting through Tom's podcast and it's really just highlighted, God, so many things that I could talk about for hours. Um yeah, we've gone off on all kinds of tangents, but it's all kind of relevant um, to mental health. And basically, I think the conclusion is that we need to move towards that being accepted and, and removing the stigma, which is a battle mental health charities and organisations have been trying to do for years. And I think we are making some progress in it, but still a long way to go. Yeah. And also that regardless of what else is going on in someone's um, diagnosis profile, if you like, the mental health still needs treated well, this, and addressed. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. We all have mental health, whether yeah. we're mentally healthy or we're not mentally healthy. Every yeah. single person has mental health, the same as we all have physical health. Yes. Sometimes we're physically healthy, sometimes we're not, and sometimes we're mentally healthy and sometimes we're not. It's always there. Yeah. And I think that's what people need to, to realise, that it's no different to physical health. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. And and on that note, we we mentioned this. <coughs> excuse me. At the um, beginning, you were chatting about we were chatting about how Tom said one of his kind of idols in our world was Anne Hegarty, which brings us on to and it is all kind of linked that coming up is the National Diversity Awards in a couple of weeks, and Anne Hegarty is going to be there, which is dead exciting because we might have to talk to her. Yes. Um, but um. The National Diversity Awards are doing a lot for not just inclusion on race and sexuality, um, but also mental health and all sorts of things. Yeah. So it's it's a fab event. I'm dead excited about it. I'm really looking forward to it, and especially since I saw that Paul O'Grady is going to be there. Yeah. I love Paul O'Grady. <laughs> I know. I know there's quite a few highfalutin celebs, but I imagine they'll be fenced off Yeah. Um, and we won't get to them, but just go in it looks like a great venue and a great night have you got your dress sorted no <laughs> I've been looking I've put more weight on I was supposed to start the gym and things and it just hasn't gone to plan so I'm waiting until the last minute I'm going to get something yeah yeah Fair enough. But but I'm there's looking forward people, to it. um there's a few people on the shortlist for the awards that I definitely <clears throat> want to kind of track down and talk to because yeah. some of the stories are just incredible yeah definitely. Um, you've, got, you've got a lady that um created eyelashes for example specifically for patients post chemotherapy yeah um and what else there are some there's there's a, a lady nicola james who's helping employers understand how neurodiverse employment can be really good so i thought that would be a good one for us to talk to um and then there's 
Aidan Jackson, who's like a young boy, and he's got Asperger's and ADHD, and he's done loads of amazing fundraising for um, charities and for his friend who died suddenly and stuff like that. So I'm dead excited about meeting all these people that are all... <coughs> I am sorry. Um, all these people that are fighting the same fight as us, albeit sometimes in different arenas, but it's really good. Yeah, what I love is that you're saying you can't wait to meet all these people. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine that there's a lot of them sat there thinking that they can't wait to meet you because you're obviously oh shortlisted for... What's the title of the one that you're shortlisted for? Entrepreneur of Excellence. Entrepreneur of Excellence, yeah. So I imagine everyone that's shortlisted has probably gone through all of the people in their own category to yeah. see what you know what they've done and what the competition's like. But yes. you then see people like are really inspiring. And you're like... Oh, yeah, it's, it's been... Yeah, and it's not even about winning the award now. It's about no. all of these amazing people. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's another one, Emily White, who's um, got spina bifida. She's a wheelchair user. Um, she has autism as well. Um, she's obsessed with the Beano, and the Beano comes from Dundee, which is obviously where I am. And um, she's been to Downing Street and all sorts. So I'm just, you, you're exactly right. It's kind of like waiting, you know, when you hear you're shortlisted for something like that, you're like, yeah, it's quite exciting. And it's very exciting. But as soon as you delve into all these other people and see how much, how many people are doing so much good and the opportunity to spend an evening with them and talk to them, I think is just going to increase the, everyone's ability to encourage diversity and inclusion. Um, so I'm really, really excited about chatting to all these people. Yeah, I think um, for me as well, I'm not like a celebrity fan, but I'm a fan of mm. people who do amazing things. So to me, it's like it's yeah. got that wow factor where somebody might be yeah. like really excited to meet Beyonce. I'm like yes. really excited to meet these people that are doing amazing things. Oh, totally. And there's, there's um, Gavin Neat is in the same shortlisted category as myself. And we had him on the podcast, oh God, maybe a year ago. So he's the one that's got the Neat Box app. Um, that's got the geofencing for disabilities for businesses and organisations mm-hmm. um, for blind and deaf and all sorts. And, and his is just amazing um, as well. So it'd be nice to kind of meet him in person too. Yeah. So yeah, it's all very exciting. So yeah, we'll we'll let you. Oh, and it's also apparently being live streamed on YouTube. Oh, um, yeah. So if you're bored of a, an evening on Friday the twentieth, you can watch it all live. Yes, because the um, tickets are all sold out now. That's it. Yeah, and there's even I've, I've had emails from them as well about an after show party, an after awards party oh. starts at midnight. Yeah, I might not like my <laughs> See, I'll for me, I'll struggle with the formal wear anyway. I know. Um, so I'm trying to get something that's comfortable but still quite fancy, which is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. But anyway, that's exciting. So we're off to Liverpool in a couple of weeks for that. And um yeah, we might even do a few videos while we're yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, the other thing we wanted to touch on was our sensory matter of the week. So what have we got this week? Um so it was in the news that there was a girl in America. She was diagnosed autistic age two and then subsequently moved to Scotland and her diagnosis was removed because girls can't be autistic. Wow. So, I mean, I think this was a few years back um, and now she does have a diagnosis. But I just find it absolutely bizarre that a medical professional has diagnosed somebody 
to then it be taken away because somebody thinks that girls can't be autistic. I know. That's utterly insane. Isn't it? It's it's just bonkers. But I do feel like, well, do I? I feel, I was going to say, I feel like that misconception is, is getting fairly eroded now rapidly. But I think it's because I operate in this world. So the people in this world know that. It's when when you talk to people outside of that world that you still hear the whole, oh, boys, you know, have autism or autism looks like this. Um, So it's quite difficult now existing in this world to know what it's really like when you don't know what you know. Absolutely, because I was thinking this, of the people that I've told about my diagnosis, the, the parents of autistic children are all like, oh, yeah, I was thinking the same about myself. And it's been quite easy to speak to those people where the people who aren't in our world, I don't think really get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But I'm pleased for that lady that she got her diagnosis back again, but that must have been just horrendous. Yeah, yeah, because I can't remember how old she was when she came over, but I'm sure it affected school and everything. Yeah, it would have done. Yeah. Real shame. But hopefully stuff like that doesn't happen so much anymore. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So the last thing to chat about is a question from a listener who's saying with kids all going back to school now, um, how do you cope and manage that yourself? Because you've obviously been busy looking after them all summer and then boom, they're off. And that kind of routine changes, doesn't it? And how do you how do you cope with that? Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if you're a parent of a child with additional needs, once they go back, you're always waiting for that phone call. Um, mm. Something's happened. You, you aren't tender hooks. Um, what I do is I try and make the most of the first period of time that goes well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'll go back to when Jamie tried mainstream secondary school. And I think it was through sheer excitement. She was carried through for half a term. So for that six weeks, I just, I went for lunches, I went walking, I went for coffees. I tried to fit as much into that time because I knew at some point the bubble was going to burst. So I just thought, you know, you need to do things for yourself. Take advantage of the time that you've got. If you're worrying about your child, try distraction techniques. I think, you know, keep yourself busy because nine till three is quite a long time to sit worrying about them. And unless something happens, people won't be in touch. No, exactly. I'm just sitting there waiting for the phone call. Yeah, and I think if the phone call's going to happen, it's going to happen. You you can't you can't control it. It's out with your control. So it's remembering that and and just as much as you can, trying to put it to the back of your mind and doing what you're saying and just making the most of the time that you've got and knowing that that could stop at any moment and it could change at any moment, but. In that moment, you can yeah. so do. Yeah, yeah that makes. Yeah, sense. that's definitely what I would advise. Joe's gone back today. Um, Jamie's not till next week. Is a she? week after her school's finished, it's been built, and we have a transition appointment on the thirteenth of September. It's due to open on the sixteenth. So right. It for me, it's just with one child at home is easier than two. I already feel a sense of relief. Yeah. yeah. I know, and then you, you, you get guilt as well. You get the whole, 
oh, I'm, I'm glad to have a bit of routine back, etc. And then you're like, but I actually quite miss them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. Because you, you see that the first day back of school things and there's loads of kind of memes, memes, whatever they're called. Memes about um, parents jumping with joy, etc. I never feel like that. I feel like it for work because it makes work easier. Mm-hmm. But I actually really like having them around. Yeah, I because I was worried that Joe was going to be really anxious. I know mean, he was anxious, but not as much as I thought. So for me, it's the empathy thing. I'm like, oh, I don't want him to feel like that. I don't want him to be sat in school thinking I've got to wait here till half past three, feeling like this. That's what goes through my head. So for me, the fact that he's gone in this morning and he's been okay, I feel a massive sense of relief for that. Yeah. Yeah. Does he get, does he take a phone into school? Yeah. And does he message you throughout the day or not? Uh, Yes, when he's struggling, he does. If he's okay, he's fine. It's one of those, um, it was the same with Jamie when Jamie was away at school. If I don't hear anything, it's usually good. Yeah. Yeah. Once the phone starts beeping then it's going south. <laughs> yeah, and that must be hard as well because then you know that something's not right and they're there and they're not happy. Yeah. You must just want to run and bring them home. Yeah, you do. And then where do you find the balance of that they should stay and learn to deal with these things and cope with these situations? Um, that's what me and my husband will often have disagreements about I'm very nurturing and I don't want them to have to experience that. But at some point in life, everybody has to experience negative things because it's the only way you can get through them and move on. Yes, and it makes you tougher Yeah, potentially for the future. Yeah, it's like I always try and make everything better, but if I make everything better for my children all the time, they'll never learn how to cope and get on with things themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. So I don't know if we've we've answered that in terms of how you cope, but I think your your well we have. I think your tips are good about making the most of it. Yeah, I think you know once Jamie goes to the new school, if Jamie settles really well, I'll probably like for a week or two just be out of the house because my kids are always in the house. So I want to yeah. make the most of being out of the house because if if everything yeah. goes wrong then at least you're stuck yeah at least I've, I've done that yeah that makes sense cool okay well fab that's been dead interesting <clears throat> that's us done for another week and next week's episode we have got our very own joel who you um probably all know from the facebook page and groups and he does our graphic design and he does a lot of the social community stuff and um so yeah we've got him which is just lovely and also he did a few podcasts while I was on holiday so you're probably familiar with him anyway so yeah that's him um next week and then the week after that it will be Lorraine and I back I think chatting about chewing the fat about whatever we fancy so thanks everyone for your time and we'll see you again soon bye bye Well, that's it for this week. And thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content. And we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you 
never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? And that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye.